0: What's up, guys? My name is Kristen. My name is Sarah. And get ready to question your religious upbringing because it's the Red Rum and Red Wine podcast.
1: Kristen, I think we're both drinking beer this episode. When I think we're over there. I'm
0: getting hints of <laughs> grapefruit of the Shiner bot kind, and uh, it's fucking a okay.
1: Yeah. What about you over there? I have a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Mm, many okay. shot. I don't know what I'm getting notes of. Pops. <laughs> Getting hints of Nevada. Yeah. Happy Nevada. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna need it for this one, to be honest.
0: I heard, so I heard it's a two-parter, and I'm scared.
1: Yes. So, to deliver to you guys, hopefully, a seemingly mediocre production of this story... I am making it two parts, not two super long parts, but um, two enough parts. Yeah. Nice. So, that being said, I am talking about a pretty recent case that pretty much shocked at least the United States when it blew up in the media. And so, if you don't know the case of J.J. Vallo and Tylee Ryan Vallow, you may be on some Patrick Star shit and living <laughs> under a rock. <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, no, I
0: I like the SpongeBob reference. It really brings me joy. Yes. That serotonin, you know.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know if this case got worldwide attention, but it did blow up. You know, kind of, uh, for sure in the U.S. So. I did have some, you know, one of the reasons why I made this two parts is because in this case involves um, a lot of factors, a lot of moving parts, and a lot of elements. So hopefully I arranged it in an okay manner. So without further ado. To get a better idea of who we're dealing with here, um, obviously, I've already mentioned some names, J.J. and Tylee Vallow. Uh, another important person in this case and story is their mom, Lori Vallow. Lori Noreen Vallo grew up in California. Uh, she had about five siblings, I believe, or maybe four she was a cheerleader in high school and was described as outgoing, funny, loving, and was a devout Christian. She was born into a uh, Church of Latter-day Saints family, so strong LDS. in the LDS community. So from here on out, I will be, because re- it, it gets brought up multiple times later, so I will be referring to that as LDS for those who aren't familiar with the acronym. Lori, after, you know, high school and stuff, ended up going to beautician school in Austin, Texas. She was, you know, also as a younger age, described as always loving that stuff, like doing hair, makeup, always loved looking at herself in the mirror. (laughs) Friends mentioned how she always had drama in her life, seeing as how... She had been married a few times already at such a young age who wouldn't have drama, maybe. Mm -hmm. So Lori married kind of her high school sweetheart, a guy named Nelson. But they were, okay, in one source they married, they were only married about six weeks. And in another, I read, a year. Anyways, their marriage was annulled. And then after that, Lori married a man named Will. She became pregnant with their son, Colby, and after Colby was born, Lori left Will. Lori then married a man named Joe Ryan, whom Lori had daughter Tylee Ryan with. Sometime after Tylee was born, Lori and Joe got divorced. Lori was living and cutting hair in Austin, Texas, while raising her children Colby and Tylee, and that is when she met a man named Charles Vallow. Charles came into her shop to get a haircut, and the rest is history, you could say. They hit it off, they started dating, and friends and family of Lori's actually were kind of excited for her about this relationship um, because, I guess, you know, having been married a few times compared to her past relationships... It seemed like Charles was full of life, he had a good head on his shoulders, he had a good job, uh, he, Charles was a successful financial planner, and he was smitten with Lori. I always, I feel like I always
0: joke about, like, I don't understand how these people can get married, but I feel, (laughs) in order to make myself feel better sorry married people out there but I'm like sometimes these people just love marrying the wrong person like over and over and over again and you see it's such a similar trend and it makes me glad that I'm single because scary out there
1: I'm glad you kind of mentioned that because that what I think of is that some people as sickening as it is to think about some people just like love drama and feed off of drama and even when it comes to relationships with significant others they like like it to be a hyperactive drama filled relationship and that's not healthy yeah (laughs) well because
0: that's all that Either that they've experienced or when they are actually in a healthy relationship, they will experience boredom. And they're like, oh, well, if it's not fighting, if it's not that constant, like, he is, like, expressing his undying love and fighting for me, then it's not worth it. It's not worth my time. That's, like, something that I very much struggled with. And I thought that, like, love was. And it took a long time for me to be like boring is okay boring isn't good like that is actually what relationships boring is be my like. favorite yeah i'm like crochet all day you know but it's just crazy that it well it's just they literally have no other thing to go off of or it's just like this feeling of i don't know it's just fucking crazy but people it's one of the biggest problems with domestic Abuse relationships, and I think it's, like, something that only therapy or, I don't know, a really good fucking bottle of wine and some good friends (laughs) can solve.
1: (laughs) A good vacation. Lori and Charles Vallow wed in 2006. Charles had been married once before and brought two older sons into the marriage with Lori. Lori, being married now four times... brought Colby and Tylee into the marriage. The family settled down in the suburbs of Phoenix, Arizona, and they seemed to blend really well together um, and did their thing for, you know, a handful of years. In 2014, their family would expand, actually, which was super exciting for everybody. Charles' sister, Kay Woodlock, who is going to be somebody I'll be mentioning a lot through this story, Mm -hmm. along with her husband, Larry. Um, But Kay is Charles Vallow's sister. Okay. Kay Woodlock had a daughter who had given birth to a baby boy named JJ. That was short for Joshua Jackson. Kay's daughter could not care for JJ, so Kay and her husband Larry adopted him and brought him home from the hospital. Like, that's how oh, fast the process yeah. happened. Kay and Larry immediately fell in love with JJ and described him as, like, the most delightful baby and the most happy baby. When JJ was still pretty young, he. De- Developed some issues and was diagnosed with autism. And as, you know, he's diagnosed, as he starts to age, Kay and Larry started to think realistically and put JJ's future into perspective. They were both older when they adopted JJ and brought him home from the hospital. Um, Having a newborn when you're in your late 50s, early 60s, isn't super easy. And that's how old they were when they brought JJ home from the hospital. Basically, they took their age into consideration. And like, they kind of realized that it may not be the best for JJ if they raised him. You know, they'd have less energy and thought that him also with his diagnosis may thrive with better with parents who just were younger. <laughs> And they weren't completely dismissing J.J. at all. Let me just throw that out there. They um, they had friends and family that had their backs that could take care of J.J. It wasn't like they were just handing him off. Because this is oh, when okay. Charles, K.'s brother, which would be like the grand uncle of J.J., and so <clears throat> in 2014... Kay's brother, Charles, and his wife, Lori Vallow, offered to adopt J.J., and this is when J.J. was two years old. Mm -hmm. Lori was seen by friends and family as, like, practically the perfect adoptive mother for J.J., because she was apparently super patient and loving Tylee and J.J. immediately bonded and got along. J.J. was drawn to Tylee and was, like, very trusting of her. Tylee was very caring and protective of J.J. And, as I mentioned, Lori was a devout Christian and a member born into, basically, the Church of Latter-day Saints, LDS. So... After Charles and Lori got married, he followed suit. He knew religion was important to Lori, so he converted to LDS, and he ran with it. The family would all attend church together, you know, every week. They were one big happy family. They took lavish vacation. <coughs> Sorry, my... <coughs> Drink some beer. <laughs> they took lavish vacations... J.J. was flourishing. All was good. Psych! (laughs) Sorry. The Vallow family did seem to live a happy life for about four years until around the time of fall 2018. This is when Charles and Lori's relationship seems to, like, seriously fray. Apparently... A year or so leading up to this so like back in 2017 is the point when Lori's behavior started to seriously shift sadly her relationship with her children and probably her husband as well had changed around 2017 and around this time Lori had begun reading books by the fiction doomsday author, Chad Daybell. Hmm. Chad had written several fiction books about preparing for the end of the world, apocalypses, the end of the world, the end of times, etc. Lori's religious beliefs... Evolved from being a devout Christian into basically being a devout doomsday believer. Friends and family <clears throat> noticed a change in her behavior as well. She seemed kind of to withdraw from her family and, like, not really participate as much. So, come fall 2018 is when Lori and Charles' relationship really starts to fray, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I wonder why. Because October of 2018 is when Lori attends a spiritual conference in St. George, Utah, with her friend Melanie Gibb, who she met just recently through church stuff. But Melanie comes up again also later, her friend Melanie Gibb. And I don't know if Lori and Melanie went to this spiritual conference just to see Chad Daybell speak because he was a speaker there. But they went and they saw Chad speak um, at this spiritual conference. And he was also doing a book signing because, remember, Lori had been reading his books. So they did, Lori and Chad Daybell did end up meeting at this conference I don't know if they just met at, like, the book signing after his little speech or, you know, people mingle at these type of things. Who knows how they actually met, but there is video footage. His speech was apparently, like, taped or whatever. And on film, they have, quote-unquote, like, the first time Chad and Lori locked eyes as he's speaking and she's in the audience.
0: I'm too sad <laughs> for this. <laughs>
1: too single for so, this. Okay. Yeah.
0: Gross vomit.
1: So, who is Chad Daybell, you may ask? Chad Daybell was born August 11, 1968, in Provo, Utah. Not too much about his background. <laughs> Don't care. At this point in the story in life, Chad was living outside of Rexburg, Idaho, and was married to Tammy Daybell, whom he was raising five children with, and he had been married to since 1990. Damn. Tammy Daybell was a Lebrian Bri- Le <laughs> librarian there in <laughs> Idaho. I was like. Okay, well, it could be a last
0: name. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. And Chad was a former priest, pastor, Jesus! <laughs> you got the Priester? Got
0: this. <laughs> Priester? <laughs> That's what I was going to say, because i pastor. Priester okay.
1: is not a word, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I need to just take a moment. Chad was a former pastor... I really wanted to dig into that former pastor life, but I couldn't get much information, unfortunately. I think maybe it was when he was younger, so, because he did make the majority of his, um, like, living off of being an author as well as being a part of, like, the publishing business, and on his website, (laughs) that is still up. I'll mention in a little bit, it, uh, mentions how he had been doing the whole author thing for two decades. So he had been doing it for a while. Um, he, his books that he wrote were stories of doomsday or apocalyptic style end of days and also near death experiences mostly fictional but he did write some spiritual like LDS based non-fiction books kind of more for kids I think in total he wrote about like 25 books and um yeah if you like google his name his website is still up which I went to it of course and just kind of looking at his books and stuff um they say uh, it was pretty comical to me. They made me laugh, which I don't think is the intention. So. Whoops. <laughs> Whoops.
0: That's how I felt watching this Salmonier wine documentary <laughs> or whatever they're called. They're like, hints of oak, grapefruit, da da da. I'm like, ah, you fucking nerd. <laughs> oh, so sorry. So sorry. They're just so pretentious about it. It makes me want to make fun of them.
1: (laughs) Like, we get it. You can memorize a lot. Hell yeah. A few weeks after Lori and Chad first met at that conference, Chad was attending another event in Arizona, which is where Lori was living. So Lori invited him, Chad, and her friend, Melanie Gibb, Um, who's the friend I mentioned earlier that she went to the conference with. She invited them both to stay at her house for the time that they were there for the event. So I don't know if Melanie Gibb already knew Chad through all of these events and stuff, or if she met him also for the first time with Lori. She was obviously there. I don't know if that was her first time as well. Anyways. This little experience, this stay at Lori's house, is kind of when Melanie observed that Chad and Lori's conversations were a little more personal and more, like, different than just religious talk, you could say. And we'll get some more of Melanie's observations later and, like, some account, her account of, like, behaviors and stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. From this point on, Lori and Chad apparently would pretty much talk every day. Melanie would say that Lori apparently had a separate phone that she would only talk to Chad on.
0: Because of her husband,
1: right? I assume so.
0: Because. because okay, yeah. she's like still married. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah.
1: Very much so. <laughs> mm hmm. Hmm. Lori and Chad apparently also began to do a religious podcast together or I also read some more podcasts I didn't dig too much de- deeper into the whole podcast thing oh my um, God. just because it one it seemed... their
0: episode is probably still for sure up somewhere and two her husband was I mean I guess co-worker podcaster is like the best excuse but uh, no
1: I know. Well, and I don't know. It kind of seemed like Charles, Lori's husband, traveled for work. Uh, Like, not all the time, I don't think. But But I mentioned an instance later, but it may not have been abnormal for him to travel. So, I don't know. Yeah. Lori and Chad basically bonded over their shared beliefs that, like, not only over religion but like an apocalyptic based system of religious belief. So I'm going to go over some kind of like testimonies or statements from family and friends about Lori and Chad's behaviors or beliefs. Lori's brother, Adam Cox, um, you know, kind of just recalled about their upbringing in back in California, how... He taught her how to play basketball, how to shoot hoops and that. There is nothing odd. There's nothing alarming or any anything you'd think like how could she go off and do these things? Which I haven't gotten to major events yet, so just just kind of foreshadow. <laughs> foreshadow. <laughs> He also admitted that he saw an unsettling shift in Lori's behavior, claiming she would tell him that she's spoken to Jesus face-to-face. Melanie Gibb, Lori's friend, would later say that she heard Chad and Lori talking about quote-unquote zombies, who were apparently people whose souls have been replaced by dark spirits. Ooh, okay. And they didn't think to,
0: you know, say, hey, maybe go visit a doctor.
1: (laughs) Somebody did later.
0: Okay. Well, I'm glad that at least that one person was thinking, because
1: goddamn. Melanie Gibb would also say that Lori and Chad believed that they had lived multiple past lives.
0: Okay.
1: Chad had lived 31 past lives, while Lori had lived 21 past lives. Both Lori and Chad claim to have lived at least five past lives on Earth. One of Lori's former friends, April Raymond, told 48 Hours that Lori at one point started referring to her husband, Charles, as a demon. Apparently, Chad Daybell believed that the spells in the Harry Potter books were real sorry this one i wish that they were man
0: because
1: if they were real i'd be able to tell
0: you okay (laughs) i was practicing them in my bedroom until like 3
1: a.m daily Uh, yeah um so he believed they were real and they could actually be cast by those who had a great focused will, I guess, maybe, of, like, the evil spirits. Chad also claimed that he believed wizards, sorcerers, and zombies were all real, and that he was an immortal translated being, quote-unquote. He alleged that translated beings possessed powers of teleportation, which allows them to travel through portals and carry out the Lord's work. Oh, so they're not just born in a different language.
0: <laughs> this is a <laughs> bad joke. Okay, but <laughs> <laughs> your job! And your next bullet point is... <laughs> That was so terrible. Sorry. So sorry. I was, like, translated uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> language. So
1: um, just to kind of wrap that last bit up, I mentioned how in, like, 2018, Lori and Charles' relationship started to hit the fan, and, and it's because of, like, the year pre previous of her reading those those Chad books and then mm-hmm. meeting Chad so, we are in 2019, and shit once again hits the fan. Charles had been away on a business trip, and when he returns home, he is locked out of the house. The house that he's still living with, and with JJ, Tylee, and Lori. He apparently couldn't get a hold of Lori at the moment. He calls the police and they help him get inside because, you know, it's either Lori's there and is completely ignoring him or she's not there. And it became pretty obvious that Lori, JJ, and Tylee were not home. So Charles expresses some concerns to the officers because at this point, he was, like, pretty worried about Lori and his children's safety as well because of how Lori had been acting. He tells police that he had talked to Lori like recently. I'm not sure if it was that day or, or just like recently. And apparently Lori told him that she was at a hotel and that she was like completely done with him. He also claims that he had been trying to get in touch with JJ and Tylee to just, like, talk to them, whatever. But he hadn't been able to within the past few days. So he was worried for their safety. He didn't know if they were okay. And a lot of what I'm talking about, just by the way, while it's on, it came across my mind, I watched um, the show on Amazon Prime, Doomsday, The Missing Children. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of what I'm talking about I got from there as well as other research. So... Sorry, also, um, in the show, they show, like, body cam footage and stuff also, which is really helpful. You know, when he's talking to Charles now in this interaction, they show body cam footage. And so, also with other incidents that happen later on. And it's... Mm. Charles also tells police that his wife has, quote-unquote, lost her mind. <laughs> I mean well put and had threatened to murder him and also claimed that she was a resurrected being and a god. Okay, but when Kanye
0: fucking does it, we just give him a free pass. It's (laughs) fine. We just give him a free pass. He's fine. He's fine.
1: During or after this incident, Charles files an emergency petition to have a mental health evaluation done on Lori. And he does have the right to do so, being her husband. So, on January 31st, 2019, um, and I think this is just very shortly after the incident with Charles and the police, because I didn't get an exact date of that, but it must have been, like, the next day or so, Mm. that Lori goes to the police station to share her side of the story with police about you know, why she wasn't home and why Charles was locked out, blah, blah, blah. She also has Tylee with her. Lori tells police that she found out that Charles had been unfaithful to her, and she also had evidence. So, she apparently, while Charles was on his business trip, she told him not to come home, and... So Lori also claims that Charles filing this emergency mental health evaluation was his way of retaliating against her. She kind of charmed Shit. I think the police yeah. officers a little bit. Not gonna and, lie. This you'll see this again probably. Well, it's just so easy. I'm
0: sorry, but as a woman if you're in a domestic abuse situation, yeah. it is way harder f- or it's way easier for you to sway people your way than it would be vice versa. But it's just also so upsetting at the same time that like
1: Her daughter was right there. So the fact that you mentioned that, and it's crazy to me because I think I'll just throw this theory out there now that Tylee, you know, it was Tylee and Lori from day one from a previous marriage. And then Charles came into the picture. Yeah. And so I feel like Tylee stuck by her mom's side And was either influenced by her mom or controlled, or she truly like had her mom's back on some things. Well, because we see again where Tylee is like right there next to her mom with help right there. But like how how
0: can you as I what was she seventeen at this time?
1: Um, Not at this time. But like when she goes missing, she she's seventeen. Yeah. But it's even like in between those ages
0: (laughs) yeah sorry sorry my bad but even throughout those times it's just like it it, as a child in general it's hard for you to go against your parent because that's like your mom you know even if your mom is the worst mom in the world you're gonna want her to love you you're gonna want to do everything in your power to make her your favorite child so doing something like
1: sorry (laughs) I was going to say whether it's love or control having it like a single mom with a daughter hits differently either way because you have this special bond and connection and like um protectiveness over each other and so whether it is You just is think just... that
0: she'll never let you get hurt. So mm-hmm. you're completely fine so with that. So that
1: will Anyways, Lori seemed to maybe like charm the officers because the police officers that spoke with Lori assured her that by the end of the conversation they had with her that, in their opinion, she seemed, you know, sound of mind. But the evaluation did still need to be done because her husband filed the emergency petition for it. And police More...
0: aren't mental health officers right. that can but they, say. but
1: they, you know, just because of the conversation they had with her they felt the need to share with her their opinion on her mindset so yeah, true and i'm not trying
0: to bust but i'm just saying i get no oh. but it
1: that's just me kind of also saying like how lori was kind of charming them and maybe talking with them because another thing that reappears later is her kind of attitude and um, demeanor with police officers so it's just the she's very much so like ha ha oh my god it's just my ex husband. Some of the worst people in the world are like the smoothest
0: talkers, and I just don't think sometimes that there is enough training in the world for that, which is so terrifying.
1: Yeah, Lori um. does willingly go to get the mental health evaluation and she's cleared within a few hours
0: which was
1: pretty quick um, because when she had that conversation with police officers they kind of told her what to expect for the evaluation that she needed to get it done and that um it basically goes off of what her husband has alleged against her and how they could hold her for like 24 to 36 hours depending on What they feel, but that obviously didn't happen. So, after she gets this evaluation done, Lori fucking dips, dude. Lori takes Tylee to Kauai, Kauai, Hawaii, for just vacation. They fucking chill on the beach, and I'm not sure how long they're there, Um. I also read that after this little vacation, Lori disappears. And this little part is a little unclear to me, but I don't think she, like, disappears for very long. I don't know. Because throughout this time, she's still married to Charles. He's back at home. I'm pretty sure he's back at home with JJ. JJ. He's like devastated and he's kind of just like, What the hell has happened with my wife and my marriage? And he came to this conclusion. And I'm not at all taking his side. I don't know how he acted in the marriage. There were claims that he had anger issues. I don't know. But and if he, she had
0: evidence he cheated, um
1: But also keep that in mind for later because ah, shit. <laughs> she makes these accusations and it's like, okay. Um, regardless, Man Charles ancient. comes to the conclusion that he needed to file for a divorce because, like, she wasn't doing it, or like, who knows? Relationship he, there, wasn't going nowhere. I also read that, um, like Melanie Gibb, Lori's friend, told a source that Melanie kind of actually approached the fact of the idea of a divorce with Charles to Lori and she was like no it's not allowed so i don't know if she would have divorced charles which is weird um and we'll see why in a little bit so mm. in february of 2019 charles files a petition to dissolve his marriage to lori Within those documents, he alleged that Lori had taken $35,000 from one of his business accounts, which was meant as payroll for his employees. Oh, shit. And so, within the divorce documents, it was kind of, like, requested slash demanded that she pay it back. (laughs) Already spent, baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Gone, long gone. (laughs) Like, damn, people are so funny when... (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, in also, fraud accounting, sorry. sorry. <laughs> That's just the funniest. Mm-hmm. They steal millions, and then it's like, you gotta pay it back. And it's like, you're in jail making $5 <laughs> okay, an hour. I'm, I'm I don't think, <laughs> don't think that you're going to be paying back the $3 million you owe. And now owe. they're charging
1: you to be in jail. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I make it uh. makes sense. Charles also claimed that Lori's religious beliefs had taken a strange turn or shift over the past several months she apparently claimed to be a translated being who was immortal and didn't need to eat Lori also was a self-proclaimed god, or claimed to be a god. Good for her. Who was chosen to carry out the work of the 144,000 at Christ's second coming in July of 2020.
0: Go off, goddess. We missed you so much two years ago.
1: We do know now that that didn't happen. No. (laughs) Just throwing that out there for facts. Like, it is March girl, 8th, 2022.
0: <laughs> you were way late to your party. We are still humbly waiting for you.
1: Charles also included the allegation that Lori had threatened to kill him, stating that she would kill sorry, kill Charles if he came home, I'm assuming like from his business trip thing, and that she had an angel <laughs> That would help her dispose of his body. Solid. He also stated the concern for J.J. and Tylee's safety in the divorce documents. So, Charles and Lori would work through the terms of their separation. Um, During the point, you know, they were working through the legal stuff. They lived separately. They shared custody of J.J., while uh, Tylee lived with Lori. The divorce also caused, you know, it kind of sparked a light bulb in his mind. It caused Charles to make changes to his life insurance policy, which was a brilliant idea. Shit. A
0: life-saving idea,
1: if you will. his almost ex-wife ex-wife Lori was named as the beneficiary Ugh, or the main idea. beneficiary to his one million dollar oh. life insurance policy yeah i'd kill i'd kill for that charles had the gut feeling that it'd be a great idea to change this <laughs> so yeah. for all um, purposes
0: that was a joke but like yeah that's a lot of money people yeah People would definitely kill for that.
1: People kill for less.
0: Way less. Way <laughs> less. Like not even a hundred thousand. Come on.
1: Charles kind of had a a feeling or an assumption that in the midst or after after his divorce from Lori that Kay and Larry would maybe most likely regain custody of JJ. And so Kay, being obviously Charles's sister as well, he wanted to make her the sole or main beneficiary of his life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Especially if they did regain custody of JJ, he wanted them to have the funds to support him his whole life. So, Aww. a few months do you go by and shit just gets worse and more weird. Charles and Lori are still in the midst of their divorce. They're still just, like, separated. Um, As of July 2019, Lori was living with JJ and Tylee in Chandler, Arizona, which is a suburb of the Phoenix area. And she lived with Charles in a suburb of the Phoenix area. So, roughly in the same area where they were already living. So... In July of 2019, Charles goes to Lori's house because he had planned to take JJ to school that day. When he walks into Lori's home, or not when he walks in, you know, I think he knocked on the door. He entered, um, he is basically shot dead by Lori Vallo's brother. Like, oh
0: my I god, think I, for- I need to re
1: say that because it's I super casual. <laughs>
0: fucking forgot about that part. Holy shit.
1: Alex calls 911 to report that he had just shot Charles, claiming self defense. Alex told police, you know, they get dispatched immediately. He tells police that an argument had taken place between uh, him and Charles because apparently, when Charles had gotten to the house to pick up JJ. Charles and Lori had started fighting. And according to Alex, Charles started to put his hands on Lori. Alex then proceeds to say that, like, Tylee came out of her bedroom with a baseball bat and was threatening Charles with it. But then Lori, JJ, and Tylee left the home. Charles and Alex continued to argue and apparently Charles like picked up the baseball bat that Tylee originally was holding and hit Alex with it a couple times or one time. So Alex goes to his bedroom, grabs his gun, shoots three to four shots at Charles in self-defense and kills him. He calls 911, you know, like I said, the dispatcher's like, um, have you attempted, like, do you know if he's dead? Have you checked for a pulse? And he's like, no. And then they're like, do you can mind? You? Like, can <laughs> Please? you? Do you feel can comfortable you? doing so? Well, and he's he like, I guess. And he's like, no, it doesn't look do. like he's breathing. And they're like, okay, can you do, night? Uh, have you, can you do, um, CPR, CPR, chest compression, And he's like, uh no, I don't know how. And then they're like, okay, we can walk you through it. And he's like, oh, well, okay. And so it the whole, so just his his conversation with the 911 dispatcher and then his conversations with the police are a little off-putting. And that's where I'll end my opinion. So, um it just sounds kind of like a setup. Like, Alex claims yeah. he was just staying at Lori's for the night, and um, all of this happened the next morning, so as, you know, body cam footage in the show I watched showed police officers in front of the house, kind of on the curb in the street with Alex, and they're asking him questions, his demeanor, he was very not of someone who just had an a heated argument and killed their almost ex brother and ex sorry ex brother in law still brother in law he was very calm and controlled in his answers and responses he was just sitting there on the curb very very calm there was no emotion no like sadness no anger no Empathy, no sympathy, no urgency as to what happened. As Alex was being taken from the home down to the station for further questioning and statements, Lori and Tylee returned back to the home. So then we get body cam footage of uh, Lori and Tylee engaging with police. They had only lived at this house in the Chandler, Arizona area for about three weeks. So Lori and Tylee both had stories that kind of backed up the claim of self-defense by Lori's brother, Alex. But both Lori and Tylee's behavior and demeanor with officers was a little strange, at least to me as well, because as they were you know like body body cam footage shows they were on the street like in front of the house and um Lori was kind of like at the hood of the cop 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 Jesus like smiling and kind of laughing with police officer like she like was joking with them so Apparently, before she had gotten there, officers were talking with some neighbors, and a lot of the neighbors weren't familiar with the family, and it's because they had just moved in. And so, when police officers brought that up, Lori made some kind of joke, like, yeah, I just moved in three weeks ago. That's probably why they didn't know me. (laughs) Ha ha. Hi, neighbors. Sorry. Sorry. As her almost ex-husband is laying dead inside the house that she just moved into three weeks ago, Tylee, who is 16 at this point, is standing right next to her mom, but just kind of off to the side a little bit. She's standing there with her arms crossed, being very quiet, (sighs) pretty calm, almost as if she didn't know how to act. Um... Someone who she probably considered as a father, at least at some point in her yeah, life, was I mean, he, dead inside the house right in front oh of her. Oh my
0: god!
1: Um, this is
0: all I'm just like screaming red flags, red flags, red yes, flags. Yes, and this no is one where I'm like, see
1: anything. This is where I'm almost like I think her mom is more on Coaching the side of controlling her, her because. You know, they left the house and came back, and probably that whole time they were gone, her mom was like, if there's police there, just be calm, quiet, don't talk unless I tell you to, or something like that. Who knows? My guess. I hate that. I hate that so much. And just, like, as a child, you
0: feel like you have no choice but to listen. And that's not any fault against the child. It's just a fucking, like, it. It makes me want to scream. Yeah. Ugh.
1: So, um, Lori's brother, Alex Cox, I don't think I said his last name earlier, but Alex Cox maintained his story of self-defense, and he was released from being questioned that same day, and no charges were ever, like, brought to him for any serious, like, crime against Charles because of the self-defense claims, so. Poor Charles, and, like, I, I
0: don't know if he'll... Well, I guess, like, charges haven't been brought up against him
1: technically, so... Maybe they could later on, but... Kay and Larry Woodcock did not believe a drop of this story. Remember, Kay is Charles' sister. So when she hears her brother gets shot and killed after this heated argument, she and Larry were both like, this is just not like Charles. Like, it's not like him. They don't believe a drop of the self-defense story. And... So, it's devastating, but also just listen to this. So, about a week later after Charles's death, Lori was absolutely shocked to find out that she was no longer the beneficiary on her husband's million-dollar life insurance policy. Oh.
0: And, like, I, like, that makes me even more upset because that's probably the only reason why he was killed. And then, oh, like, I'm so thank you, Charles, for being a smart-ass hoe and changing that policy. But, God fucking damn it. I, like, oh,
1: my God. Yeah. I'm pulling my hair out. She... Found out just as quick that Kay had been made the beneficiary, so Lori was pissed. <laughs> I mean, like, she, I'm glad, but oh my fucking God. She apparently immediately texted Kay saying something like, quote, five kids and no insurance money and his sister gets it all.
0: Oh. <gasps> Because you fucking killed him for it, you stupid bitch. Oh my god. I am so sorry for the people that hate the profanity, but. uh.
1: It's fine. See (laughs) you
0: next Tuesday, my dude.
1: Uh. And also because of, you know, how pissed she was, Lori cut Kay out of her life pretty much completely, which was detrimental and so damaging to Kay and Larry because they were still very much loving grandparents to JJ. Yeah. They were still very much involved in his life. Dude. They lived in Louisiana while, you know, JJ was living in fucking Arizona, wherever you, and... They always gotta bring the kids in. I'm like, it's yeah. not it has nothing to do with them. But you know, Lori cutting Kay and Larry out of their lives made Kay grow grow like immediately more concerned, mostly regarding JJ and his safety, but also their relationship with him because they started to talk to him less, see him less, all of that. They had, like, super limited contact with JJ from the point of Charles dying, basically. So they would constantly reach out to Lori to try and speak to or see JJ, even if it was over video chat or even just, like, videos of him being texted or whatever. But they just could not get through to Lori. She was ignoring them, literally just, like, ignoring their calls
0: And meanwhile, you probably know that she's being a bitch-ass parent and being like, oh, they don't want to talk to you. Oh, they're just, like, not in the mood to see you. They don't want you. Oh, he's at a
1: friend's house. Oh, he's Uh, in in the bath. Like, typical manipulation
0: bullshit. Oh, my God. (sighs) My heart's... On August 10th,
1: 2019, Kay and Larry finally get to video chat with JJ. And this is just, like, it means the world to them um, because they have just been begging and begging. It was a relief in being able to see J.J., but it was also, like, pretty sketchy, unfortunately. Mm. Kay and Larry described how J.J. was almost, like, staged in front of the camera. And he was kind of looking past the camera as if someone was standing behind it. And, you know, like, luckily, Kay and Larry had enough time to tell J.J. that they loved him and that they missed him. But then, abruptly, J.J. would be like, I gotta go, bye! Aww. And then it was, like, disconnected. For the next three months, Kay and Larry are unable to get in contact with J.J., They are begging Lori, like, please have him text us, call us, video chat, anything. Lori would deny their calls. They were emailing her anything. Kate and Larry, along with, you know, investigators and stuff, would find out that Lori had moved out of Arizona and along with JJ and Tylee, relocated 900 miles away in late August of 2019, which was not even a few months after Charles's death. And it was, you know, I say, I, I just said that Kay and Larry had been trying for three months to get in contact with JJ, like the first month out of that three Is when, like, after the first month is when they moved. So, like, two out of the three months, like, he wasn't even living in that state anymore. uh, In, um, Arizona. This just all feels so funny. Fucking illegal.
0: Even though I know there's not technically a law against this, I'm just like, right. we need well, to like at something. You're, you're the dad was literally or like the stepdad was literally oh, just like, fucking uh, killed. Uh. The stepdad adopted so, dad was killed. So yeah. fucking like you're they've been missing for three months. Like we need to like There's some kind of paper that I should be able to fill out to say, hey, some sketchy shit is going on in my life and I just really... Need someone <laughs> to investigate this right now because I'm just like this. is I mean, there so... is paperwork for that. No promises, oh though. God. Yeah, well, that's so, what the fucking thing. You know,
1: and on that, like, no one would blame a mother for relocating with her children. You know, new starts and shit. Oh, but not and it's telling the grandparents the of the dad, so it's yeah, even so
0: more of a reason. Uh... Not
1: tell, but not telling the family of your children, like your adoptive son who has grandparents that he's very close with. You don't tell them that you're moving. That is very sus. So Kay and Larry didn't even know where they moved to at first. They were kind of just hearing through the grapevine that Lori moved with the kids or were about to move with the kids. They they were just hearing like, Not even full facts at first, until they did kind of find out that they did move, and eventually they did find out where they moved to. Damn. The place where Lori, JJ, and Tylee moved to is also very suspect, because they moved closer to Chad Daybell. Okay. The brief little area where I talked about him, I mentioned that he lived outside of Rexburg, Idaho. Well, Lori moved to Rexburg, Idaho. And I I did read somewhere that Lori's brother Alex, the one who shot and killed Charles, kind of tagged along and like got an apartment in the same apartment complex as Lori. Okay, He is placed there later on, but it's unclear if he got his own apartment or lived with them. I don't know. Ew. Still weird. <laughs>
0: it is. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't... Oh, All of this Still feels weird. so illegal. I'm like, you shouldn't be allowed to move, sir, after you... very... Uh, okay, okay. Anyhow.
1: Once Kay and Larry find out that Lori had moved to Rexburg with JJ and Tylee, But they still can't get in touch with them. They call Rexburg police to do a welfare check on the children. So Rexburg police show up to Lori's apartment on November 26th, 2019 to do a welfare check on JJ and Tylee. But JJ and Tylee weren't home. And actually, neither was Lori. But guess who was home? Who? Who? Lori's brother Alex Cox mm. and Chad Daybell. Ew. Alex told police that JJ was staying with his grandmother in Louisiana. Little did he know that is the exact person who called the Rexburg police to do the welfare check on him. Police knew this, and so they apparently were like, that's who called for the welfare check, and the brother was like, Ugh. <laughs> I'm sorry, who? (laughs) Chad indicated to police that he didn't, like, know where Lori was and that he didn't even know her that well. Lori ended up arriving home from wherever she was at some point that day. And I don't know if the officers were still at her apartment or if they got back in touch with her later. But I, I do know that the police speaks with her on that day at some point in person. So she tells police that JJ was with her friend, Melanie Gibb, in Arizona. She also tells police that Tylee was not there because she's attending BYU-Idaho, which was some university there. I think it's probably...
0: Mm. like yeah for the lds yeah
1: community I'm like i want to say that but i'm like wait should i i'm not sure
0: no it is really known for... yeah yeah that's where they um do the soaking
1: yeah worry mm. again seemed to charm the police and that visit resulted the police in apo- apologizing for bugging her and that they just need to do their job police do get in contact with melanie Gibb to just try and confirm that J.J. is with her. And when she not only states that she does not have any children staying with her, but tells them she hasn't actually seen J.J. or Tylee in months, police get, uh, you know, more red flags popping up. So they go back to Lori's apartment the next morning to put it nicely, tie up loose ends. They arrived to an empty apartment. Oh, my God. Illegal. Illegal. Nothing was left in the apartment. No belongings. Besides, and this is how the show put it. There could have been some other random crap in there. Who knows? But basically, besides a pill bottle containing (sighs) some of JJ's medication.
0: No. Why does that kill me? Why? Oh.
1: Cause yeah, because it's never, like, oh, you're looking never, for J.J.? Here's the shit not, he doesn't need. He doesn't have it. Or the, here's the shit he the needs fucking, and he doesn't have it. Yeah. Like, He's not getting the one bit of medication that he fucking needs. Like, oh, my God. After getting word of this, Kay and Larry grow even more concerned for J.J. And now they're realizing that they don't even know where Tylie exactly is and if she's okay. If she's safe, you know. What a and... fucking terrifying realization! Like yeah, you can't and...
0: find one child, and now you're like, fuck, with the second one. Oh my god!
1: Right, and so obviously tylie was just as much as a grand granddaughter to them, and so now also Lori has skipped out of town. Nobody knows where she fucking bolted off to. It officially went from like for Kay and Larry and for other people who cared just as much that like we're really worried because we can't get in touch with JJ and Tylee to like oh shit they're like missing missing no one has seen them no one has heard from them for actual months now the picture is not looking good and it's not adding up. And it just makes you think, like, how
0: when there were so many people that were wondering and caring for these people, were they allowed to get away with it for months? It's mind-boggling.
1: About two weeks later, after this whole, like, welfare check slash Lori disappearing thing, Kay and Larry receive an unexpected call from the police in Arizona. They share that Alex Alex Cox, Lori's brother, is dead. He had died, apparently. You know, cause of death was due to natural causes, blood clots. But Alex and Lori's other brother, Adam said that he himself, as well as their father, had blood clots, but Alex had never had any blood clots. So to him, his brother, Alex's cause of death was pretty, like, strange, and it was kind of fishy to him, just to throw that out there. But, you know, whatever happened, Alex, you know, whether he really killed Charles in self-defense, whether he really died of blood clots... He was also a person who very likely knew where J.J. and Tylee were, so the chance of possibly getting any information from him died along with him. So December 24th of 2019, now that police had gotten involved, the case had kind of grown and they started to realize how serious this shit is. So, on December 24th, 2019, Rexburg Police issues a police well, I don't know if it's Rexburg Police or like the higher-ups, whatever. Rexburg issues a press release regarding JJ and tiley's disappearance and their story um blows up basically throughout the united states i don't know if it blows up worldwide but i remember when this case blew up in the media just because as i mentioned in the beginning it has a lot of moving parts it has a lot of elements and shit that just adds to the bizarreness the strangeness and you know not only are these two innocent children missing randomly for whatever cult belief reason but like two other dudes are killed in the midst of it and and it was just like these children were
0: missing for months and it was a major question of how do we as people in america let this slide by especially with the history that this family had it's fucking shocking and it's really not similar but it's just like there are a lot of things that I see in the case that I'm talking about next pop up as to like how can we let this happen and it's like well the court system and the way that we run our judicial system and everything like that I hate to say it but a lot more times than not it makes it like not easy but it it makes it happen (laughs) it's just like it's not perfect and it needs change and there's flaws but it's just like so crazy to wrap your head around and like I don't know it's that fine line between like you have to understand that like well you're talking about one case out of a thousand but like I remember watching this case on the news and just thinking how these kids have been missing for months and like
1: no well, one and part of the whole media frenzy how they portray it on the news and and stuff is that they have this mom who she you know she's good looking and smooth talking smooth talking christian woman who charms police officers and so Peop, it's hard for some people to believe like oh some she'd do something really bad and and so, that like women
0: in general are able to do something that bad like yeah. even as a mother to your and, own child
1: uh, and uh yeah we're gonna have to save this rant for the end but at this point when um you know i mentioned that the press release regarding jj and tylee is done and it, it blows up in the media. This is also when they, I think, officially released their missing poster. And I wasn't super clear on like, how old they were at, at this point where they've been declared missing. So I know I kind of mentioned it earlier, but Joshua Jackson Vallow, aka JJ Vallow, was seven when he went missing. Mm-hmm. And Tylee Ryan or Tylee Ryan Vallow was 17. So babies. The search for JJ and Tylee also kind of triggered an investigation. Well, you know, when like someone is missing or when someone dies, you always look at uh who they know, the family and um what could have caused this, the outlying factors and so, of course, J.J. and Tylee missing triggers an investigation into the death of Alex, as well as Lori's husband, Charles. Finally. And what's interesting is that Alex killed Charles, but now they're both dead, so...
0: You can't really prosecute a dead person,
1: so they're not right, really going to care about the case. But still all, like, the circumstances is, like... How does this woman have a dead, almost ex-husband, and then her brother, who's the person who killed the ex-husband, is dead? It's just very strange, and it could have been just how things played out, but it is strange. And, like, we don't autopsy for all drugs, so... Lori, at this point in this investigation or whatever, is still... MIA like how I mentioned after the welfare check she disappeared she's like still disappeared (laughs) she's still gone in January of 2020 there is a slight break in the case because police find evidence of a plane ticket showing that Lori traveled to Hawaii and had been basically kicking it on a beach okay yeah the media also finds out about this, um, and they, like, trek her down pretty soon. And turns out, Chad Daybell is with her in Hawaii. Gross. Let us not forget about good old Chad Daybell. Lori and Chad, as it is now known, are married. And living in an upscale gated community in Hawaii. But wait, what about Chad's wife, Tammy? Yeah, what about Ch- Chad's wife, Tammy? Wasn't he married? As of October 2019, Chad was still married to the mother of his five children, <gasps> Tammy Daybell. I'd be so fucking pissed after five kids. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Until the 19th of October, 2019... Tragedy strikes the Daybell family and Tammy passes away. <gasps> Garth Daybell, one of Chad and Tommy's five children, said that Tammy passed away in bed and that he and his father, Chad, called 911. According to Tammy's children, the coroner who did Tammy's post-mortem exams and stuff told them that Tammy's death appeared to be natural and because of this and because their mother like had been previously sick and she hadn't been in the best health they declined an autopsy.
0: Dude, I, illegal, illegal, illegal. Oh, <laughs> I, just, uh, I... So many lives are affected by this story that I forget about. That is now Holy three fucking dead. shit. God damn. I am so sorry for the profanity, but like... Oh, I'm not sorry. It's just like, how can you keep... Oh my gosh. What... I wonder what access to what drug did they have? Like, where were they getting this secret drug that caused a natural-looking death? But both were probably declined in autopsy. I don't know. Okay. Who knows? Gosh.
1: We'll never know. We'll never know now. So we're going to do a little uh, time travel here, just a little bit because it turns out that Lori and Chad actually got married in Hawaii in early November, like November 5th to be exact, just weeks after Tammy passed away. And just weeks before the police showed up at Lori's apartment in Rexburg to do the wellness check on JJ. So I think they like went on vacation to Hawaii because they both love Hawaii, got married, came back,
0: Kind At of of that like wellness finalized. check, may
1: I remind you that Chad told police that he didn't know where Lori was and that he had hardly knew her. Red yeah. flags. Yeah. Um, Chad's and Lori's wedding photos from Hawaii also show that they were alone in Hawaii, early November. And I guess after that welfare check happened, they got sketched out. And because like I mentioned, the police went back that next morning and they were gone. Like the apartment was empty. So I think that is when they dipped back to Hawaii and they basically ended up moving there because like I mentioned, uh, they were found living in an upscale, like gated community.
0: But technically it was like since before the wedding that anyone had seen both of the children right so JJ at this and... point
1: jj and Tylee are still missing and the like last actual sighting of either of them were like in september Ugh. of 2019 oh my God. so laurie and Chad are in hawaii living their best lives both of their very previous spouses are dead and laurie's two children are missing And they do not seem to care because once media tracks them down, um, like in the show I watched, there's a clip of a local Hawaiian anchor or, uh, you know, media person talking to Chad and Lori as they're like walking through a parking lot. And he's, you know, throwing out questions, and he's like, people all around the country are praying for your children. And she just replies with this snarky comment, like, oh, are they? Thank you. And, like, something like that. It's just, like, very odd how... Lori and Chad seem to be completely Evasive and uncooperative
0: Yeah how can you even I mean like I'm not going to tell you how to grieve but You're right
1: mm. I mean not only Throughout this whole like debolical of your children missing And the investigation Not only do you kind of like Run off to Hawaii but you Mislead police to say They're safe somewhere else and Um you Oof. Yeah, big oof. Oof. Hawaii police get a search warrant for Lori and Chad's home in that upscale community. I'm pretty sure it was just not just a condo. Obviously, it was a nice condo. It was an upscale community. But just to put it into perspective, in the kind of household they were living in, considering they were supposed to have, like, two kids living there with them, police find nothing that ever suggests that, like, J.J. and Tylee ever lived there. They found two, like, beach lawn chairs, two beach towels or towels, two yoga mats in the house, obviously along with other things, but it was just, like, the significant number of just two of certain things. And Lori and Chad's rental car, police find J.J.'s iPad, Kylie's debit card and both of their birth certificates, but nothing else of their existence, like ever being in the car or anything. Because Kay and Larry Woodcock um were so involved in JJ's life and calling in the welfare check on him, which pretty much triggered this whole investigation to opening its doors. Uh, they were kept, you know, updated on stuff going on. So Reality hits hard at this point for friends and family such as Kay and Larry, but other people as well who were really, like, wanting to bring J.J. and Tylee home. So there was some hope that Lori was just acting out and possibly hiding J.J. and Tylee somewhere, but the grim reality was starting to kind of overshadow that. And reality was setting in for investigators as well. I mean, the ship keeps unfolding like layers of an onion. Four states at this point are involved in the investigation. Arizona, Utah, Idaho, and Hawaii. Madison County Court in Idaho did end up issuing a court order for Lori to show up in court with JJ and Tylee to prove they were Okay. And they had given her five days to do this. So Lori had a five day deadline to fly from Hawaii with her children to Idaho to prove her kids were safe in court or somehow get them there. Or she would be held in contempt, basically, like she would be arrested. So,
0: damn.
1: The deadline for Lori to bring her kids in you know to prove their safety was 5 p.m on that fifth day which would have been january uh, 30th of 2020 mm-hmm. i believe and uh kay and larry were like present in idaho that day like waiting to see their grandchildren but the deadline 5 p.m approached and Lori had not arrived with jj and Tylie. Literally at, like, five oh five, five oh seven p.m. after the deadline, Kay made a media presence. She, made, she like, did, like, a little press conference just because at this point the media was all over this and it was a huge deal that Lori did not show up with J.J. and Tylee because, I mean, if she was being evasive before and uncooperative before, then what is she now? So after Lori fails to show in court that day with J.J. and Tylee, who had been missing for about five months at this point, Kay makes a couple of points in her press conference, but you can obviously tell Kay at this point is just wrecked before she had always been a little optimistic very very like just optimistic about seeing JJ and hoping they're okay him and Tyler are okay but in this press conference her body language she is just overwhelmed with emotions she struggles to find her words she admits that she's less optimistic for mm-hmm. a positive outcome at this point and she looked at the cameras at the press conference and spoke to Lori and chad and just asked her or asked them to show her the children mm-hmm. just please let me know they're okay damn and this is where I'm ending no. part one oh my God. of J.J. Fallow okay, yeah. and Tylee Ryan Vallow. Yep. No, I need to hear
0: the second part uh, soon. Fuck. All right. Ugh, like, I know how it ends, but at the same time, I never uh, looked into real detail and there are just a lot of details that i did forget about this story and it's crazy it's mind-boggling how this shit is
1: allowed a lot of people dying which is weird
0: i'm so amazed by the people that are not only like affected by this but also die because of this case because it's way more than oh my god Oh, all right. Well, part 2. Um, don't know when we're getting it, but we will get it to you. Sorry. <laughs> at some point. But until then, you can look at all of the latest and greatest. I don't want to say photos cuz have yet to post any, but I will do it uh, <laughs> tomorrow. It's on my schedule. Yeah. Follow us
1: at our ARW podcast and be
0: sure to hit us up with an email if you want a certain topic uh, or any of the such
1: red ram and red wine podcast at gmail.com uh, but yeah until next time guys stay safe out there if you see something say
0: something and now you're going to tell me everything uh. about this case okay bye <laughs> mm-hmm.